Christmas gets no more Christmassy than Christmas in Finland. At this, it says here, wonderful time of year, Finland is shrouded in the snow of which Bing Crosby dreamt, freezing in the kind of weather which justifies the open fire on which one roasts chestnuts, and so dark as to be unnavigable without the luminous nose of a mutant reindeer. It is little wonder that of all the places he could call home, Santa Claus chooses Finland. Santa Claus, the actual, honest-to-goodness, no-messing Santa Claus, is just one special guest of this Finland-themed Christmas foreign desk. Finland rarely features on this programme, which, given that this programme is so often concerned with conflict, upheaval and protest, Finland should definitely take as a compliment. Indeed, according to the UN's Sustainable Development Solutions Network, Finland is Earth's least foreign desk e country. In 2022, Finland topped the rankings of the World Happiness Report for the fifth year on the bounce. It would, if we're honest, be a stretch to report that this episode of The Foreign Desk is a rigorous investigation into the role a Finnish Christmas plays in Finland's serene contentment. It just seemed to us like a fun idea for a programme, so we went with it. But there is clearly much Finland can teach us at any time of year, and this time of year is probably as good as any. What do Finns do at Christmas? Why is spending some of it in a sweaty wooden box so important? Why are all their Christmas carols so depressing? And how does Santa Claus prepare for the big day? This is the Foreign Desk. In the former agricultural society in Finland, sauna was the place where you were born, and it was also the place where you were taken after you died. In that sense, the spirituality comes from the fact that sauna's important arches from the beginning of life till the end. The other senses, I would say, I'm not angry about that. I don't mind if somebody wants to look like me. And sometimes those others are old elves. They have been asking me, can I do that this year? Can I do that? Yes, you can. You can try how it is. You're listening to The Foreign Desk. I'm Andrew Muller. Later in the show, we will be hearing from Finland's former president and Santa Claus and ending with a specially commissioned musical finale, which may be the coolest thing we've ever broadcast. But we will start, where else, in the sauna. Specifically, the sauna at the residence of Finland's ambassador to the United Kingdom, Jukka Siokasari. Well, Ambassador, we are here to talk about the realities of sauna diplomacy, and to do that, listeners will have to take our word for this, we are sitting in the sauna beneath the Finnish Ambassador's residence in London. So, from your point of view, what is the diplomatic value of this extremely warm wooden box we're now sitting in? Well, sauna has a long tradition of being a place of peace. For Finns, it's a place not only for hygiene and getting a bath, but also a place of relaxation. It has something almost spiritual to it. And then, of course, in diplomacy, sometimes you end up in situations that are extremely difficult to solve. And I think the theory goes that if you bring then your counterpart, if you're able to convince him or her to join you in a sauna, that might open up certain problems and issues 
and a resolution or a solution might be found. Is there kind of a mythology within the Finnish diplomatic service of times when sauna diplomacy has led to a breakthrough, when you you have sort of great potentates from various nations who might otherwise be crossing swords or glaring at each other over a conference table? You park them in here and everything sort of somehow gets sorted out? We have anecdotal in evidence, but probably not anything that would hold up in a scientific research. <laughs> there is a story of our former president Kekkonen, uh, who was a president for a long time in the 1950s, 60s and 70s. And he did often take the Soviet leaders to his sauna when they visited Helsinki. And the anecdote goes that he also had then Secretary General Khrushchev of the Soviet Union in his sauna in Helsinki. And they spent a very long night there up until the early mornings, consumed reasonably high amounts of alcohol as well. <laughs> And in the end, sort of a solution to the issue that they were talking about, which was Finland's integration to the West, was found. But whether this holds too much truth to it, I can't really say. And it may, of course, have had more to do with the alcohol than the sauna. But for you personally, how often do you bring guests into this thing we're sitting in now? Well, to begin with, I'm rather careful with that because you have to take cultural sensitivities into <laughs> account, certain colleagues of mine come from cultures where nudity is, is an issue that they are almost afraid of. Of course, in a sauna, you don't have to be nude unless you want to. The Finns do it. And, and for us, it's very natural because for the Finns, the sauna is a family institution. So mm. families, parents and children uh, go to the sauna together and it's completely natural to be without clothing. But you have to be very careful. What I usually do is I don't ever invite somebody that I don't know well to the sauna and definitely not somebody who I don't know well and who I know is not familiar with the culture. If I have a colleague who says that he's an avid sauna goer and I meet him for the first time, no problem. Have you noticed that there is a range of opinion about the sauna or a range of reaction to the prospect of the sauna among the diplomatic community here in London? Are some nationalities notably more reticent than others? It has to do with their culture back home. So you can't really draw regional boundaries there. The Japanese, for example, I think are rather relaxed with the sauna because they have their own hot bath onsen culture, which includes nudity as well. But then some other Asian nationalities, I'm sure, have, have much more reservations. And one thing, of course, that I think is a handicap for the sauna institution is that in, in certain places in the world, it has a very sexual meaning, almost a, a brothel-like connotation which definitely doesn't come from Finland and, and has never existed in Finland. You were saying earlier that there was uh, almost a spiritual component to the sauna for Finns. Could you elaborate on that? What would you say the sauna means to Finns? Well, in the former agricultural society in Finland, sauna was the place where you were born and it was also the place where you were taken after you, you died. And the society of that time, that was of course very logical. The sauna was the only place in an agricultural dwelling setting where, where you would have or could have warm water around the year. It was also the cleanest place in the farm. So uh, that's why it was quite natural to give birth in a sauna. And then when it came to death, the body has to be had to be washed mm. before the last rites were performed and, and, and the body was then put to the ground. And again, sauna was very handy for that. So in that sense, the spirituality comes from the fact that Sauna's important arches from 
the beginning of life till the end. It occurs at this point that we are going to need some sound and noise to further convince our listeners that we are actually sitting in one. Have we arrived at the moment of the sound of where you, you throw some water on the I think this would be the, there? exactly the right moment. So normally what you do is you spend a little bit of time in the sauna so that your body gets accustomed to the heat. You start sweating slightly and then you throw a modest amount of water on the stones, which I'm now going to do. With your permission, of course. Go ahead. There it is, authentic Finnish sauna noise on the foreign desk. But about this particular sauna, is it an important thing to take care of whenever any new Finnish diplomatic mission is set up, that you must, as part of fitting out the building, install a decent sauna? I think that was very much accepted when we um, started new embassies and, and, and took new buildings into use, let's say, up until 20, 30 years ago. So nobody questioned that in in Helsinki. And I still think I haven't checked on the embassies or representations that we have opened over the last years whether the budget of, of building a sauna <laughs> in a residence goes through easily, but I would presume it does because it has a special meaning. And, and of course, many diplomatic colleagues know and they often ask me that you have a sauna, don't you? Because they expect that from other locations. It's not just, of course, the, the Finnish diplomatic service that serves abroad and takes its saunas with it. Do other various worldly projections of Finland also make sure somehow to travel with a sauna? Certainly. I would especially mention the peacekeepers who have been uh, around the world in different operations under the UN and other organizations ever since the 1950s. And, and, and for the Finns, the contingents and the soldiers, it was important to have one tent with them and a portable stove. And then wherever they ended, be it the desert or the jungle, they set up a sauna. It's also a part of team building when, when mm. you're in a different location or, or surroundings that are almost hostile. If you're in the safety of the sauna with your, your buddies, it, it really builds a very special bond between the individuals who do that. Have there been a lot of converts to the sauna in London's diplomatic community because of your efforts? I think there have been. Uh, it's, it's a relatively new thing for us. We have an, a sauna actually at the, also at the office, and, and we use that quite a lot also for journalists. Then we, um, of course, try to convince all the visitors that come through us before they go to Finland to make sure that they have a sauna experience in Finland. There are many public saunas in Helsinki that are quite uh, useful for this. And it's also one of the best places where you can actually get a fin to talk. We are, we are not the most um, social and outgoing, but once you're in a sauna and you confess being a foreigner and, and, and ask for advice and help, you're sure to get it. You are, or so the UN keeps telling us, the happiest people on earth. So what I'm wondering is, is there a relationship between Finland's happiness and the sauna, or, and this is my suspicion, a relationship between Finns' happiness and the fact that they actually don't talk to each other? I would prefer to choose the, the sauna explanation for the happiness. And as I said in the beginning, sauna is also a place of relaxation and, and maybe the ultimate form of stress relief you can imagine. So after a hard day's work, be it physical or office work, you heat up the sauna, you come there either alone or in company, but you can enjoy the silence, you can be, be with your own thoughts, you can have a conversation as well. But I must say, this interview is exceptional in the sense that I, I don't remember when I have spoken so much <laughs> in a sauna before. That was Finland's ambassador to the UK, Yuka Siokasari. You're listening to The Foreign Desk. 
You're listening to The Foreign Desk on Monocle 24. Well, I'm joined now by Taya Halunen, who from 2000 to 2012 served as the 11th president of Finland and the first woman to hold that position. Uh, Madam President, first of all, I wanted to ask what a Finnish president actually does at Christmas while you're in office. Are there duties you have to attend to? So uh, now I have always a little bit special situation with Christmas because my birthday is the 24th. So I was a not very lucky child because we celebrate in, um, in Scandinavia, we are celebrating Christmas Eve more than the Christmas Day like they do in the UK. What we are doing normally, and I do the same now when I'm a so-called free citizen, at Christmas time um, we take things slow and enjoy the time with the family. So there are four important things. The first is food. We have a traditional food. It's, in the matter of fact, quite much vegetables, because in old days, of course, we had too much meat, but also the meat sometimes. But then the food, it should be as much as possible. Then Christmas sauna, and then we give the gifts, or we tell to the children, and also partly we grown up, pray that there is a Father Christmas. Something what I have noticed with my children when they have had a foreign, or the guests outside of Finland, many Finns visit cemeteries to praise candles by the loved ones. I have not noticed it by myself before the, uh, the guests, uh, my, my daughter, that somebody has complained that in Helsinki was very, very quiet in Christmas time. And then they said, where are all the people? So, so we answered that, yeah, most of them go to the countryside if they have a cottage there, the summer place. But the second thing is that they go to the cemetery. It's not the Mexican way. We just put the flowers and candles, remembering our loved ones, which are no more with us. Then you go after that to sauna, and after that starts terrible eating. And then um, Christmas Day is um, totally normally only with family members. So people try to survive and from overeating. And then uh, Boxing Day. So this is traditionally the day for the visits. And when you are president of Finland, are you obliged to address the nation on Christmas Day? Is there a tradition of a presidential message? Uh, no, that's very UK system. We, <laughs> we do in the way that students uh, brought every year a Christmas tree for me. And then uh, also the fishermen used the old tradition to give a Christmas feast to the president. That was from the time this 700 years uh, co, co-family <laughs> with Sweden when we were the part of Sweden. So in those days, they brought uh, presents to the king because we were a country behind the sea. It's a good way for people from all the islands that, that they uh, remind themselves giving the fish. But this is very interesting uh, present because uh, you cannot order it beforehand. People from the islands, they don't know whether they will get the fish or not. I don't know which kind of system they have that they always have had a fish. That has been always uh, two, three days before the Christmas. But Christmas itself is very, very much the family thing. So um, President gives a speech, uh, annual speech concerning political situation and what happen, happens in the world the 1st of January. So it starts with the new year, but Christmas okay. is totally private.
Well, you've foreshadowed there one of the themes of our Christmas episode, which is the idea of sauna diplomacy and, and how Finland uses the sauna to project itself in the world. What does the phrase sauna diplomacy mean to you? Why do you think it's an effective way for Finland to do business? That part, we, I wanted to speak also with the Yanomans in the, in the <laughs> office. Um, so first, uh, one fact, there are around three million saunas in Finland. And now when everybody is looking after the energy, you can guess that uh, the Finns perhaps do the Christmas sauna again, but it's not a public issue. I mean, that uh, they might do it, but they don't see that if they see that the neighbor is sauna, it's coming smoke out of the sauna, because that's just, no, we didn't notice it, because uh, Christmas sauna is very important. But sauna can be found in homes, especially in summer cottages, but it can be in old days, it was also in the offices and factories in a way that it was a place to take a guest. And of course, when we are not very talkative, especially Finnish men are not very talkative, so it was always an amazing situation that first those Finnish people, they didn't speak almost nothing. They were a little bit, how could I say, keeping the distance. But then they asked to come for the evening to sauna, and then they take the coats away and connect to the sauna. And sometimes it is an amazing situation. But uh, originally, I think uh, when you already asked beforehand that whether it's a weather issue, partly yes. I think that it has been partly the question that uh, this has been a quite uh, challenging uh, circumstances to live. And uh, so um, sauna has been also the path to keep everything clean and healthy. But it's also a place I would like to say that nowadays it could underline, but we try to find a good word. But uh, so I think that it would be in a way the body peace. It's a place where we are respecting our own bodies and other person's bodies without any judgment. So you have to behave in the way that you are not watching that how the other one is looking, but you keep on eyes level. We always say that everyone is created equal, but uh, nowhere it's more than in sauna, because when you take all your things away, so it's really a very equal place. There are no titles, no uniforms, but um, one thing what I would say that nowadays men and women don't go to the mixed sauna if they are not um, close relatives or friends. That uh, this is different what I know that, for instance, in German university towns, <laughs> certificate. So no, no, we don't do that. Uh, but most of all, sauna is for relaxation. And uh, sauna cleanses the body, but also, in a way, purifies the mind, because it's not either allowed to speak and difficult issues. So, for instance, when the politicians went to the sauna, men and women separately, in a way, it's... Uh, uh, doing something softer than what you do at the, ta- at the meeting table or at eating, that you, you do it in a way that now we are just a human, human persons. Just finally, do you think there is an aspect of sauna culture that every country could take on board, even if they can't build the saunas quite as well as the Finns can build them? Uh, I would say first that be careful with the Finns who have sauna. Because uh, you never know, it's like a 
like uh, narcotics. That first time you just taste it. You think that uh, this is not dangerous. But after you have started to use the sauna, you might be hooked for that. <laughs> and uh, I have friends in Latin America, for instance, or in South Africa, who have also sauna. Because they have noticed that even in the very hot temperature, when you go to sauna and then after that, you feel it, that weather is cooler because it's the difference between that temperature. I would say that uh, sauna is all like all the other things what you don't know yet. Taste it. You don't know whether you like it or not. But I have, I have given a warning for you. You, can, you might be hooked for that. That was Taya Halunen, former president of Finland, and this is The Foreign Desk on Monocle 24. This is The Foreign Desk on Monocle 24. It's not easy to book a Finnish guest who outranks even a former president, but we are joined now here in the studio, straight off the sleigh from Lapland, by Santa Claus. Santa, first of all, and welcome to the show, I was wondering about your preparation for the big day. How much goes into that? Are there, for example, sleigh maintenance issues you have to attend to? The sleigh must be maintenance before the day. Mm. But as you understand, we start the preparations on Boxing Day for the next Christmas. A bit like painting the Sydney Harbour Bridge or something. This is is always a working... It's going on all all the time, going on all the time. And one of the most important things is Polish Rudolf's nose. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would think, is he used to that by now? That doesn't require administering a sedative or anything. No, no, it's okay for him. He likes it, actually. Reindeer, and we do have some outside as we are yes. recording this at Monocle's Christmas Market. They're quite large and feisty creatures. They are. They are they're semi-wild in Finland, mm. too. They're semi-wild. And there's lots of them. We are talking about two kinds of reindeers. There are magical ones with mm-hmm. me and the normal ones. And there are more normal reindeers than people in Lapland. More than 200,000 of them. How important is continuing to base yourself in Lapland? You've never thought of moving somewhere a bit warmer? Why should I? Because it's a bit warmer. Yeah, but I love the weather. For example, this morning here, minus two or something like that. Mm. Oh, it's so much for me, I would say. When you think about uh, Lapland, the temperature there can vary between minus 35 till plus 35. Mm. More than 70 degrees the difference. So that's why I'm there. I want to go back to what you were saying about how preparation for this starts on Boxing Day, because I think that is important. I think there is perhaps this idea at large in the world that, frankly, you've got a pretty cushy gig, which involves one night of admittedly fairly frantic work a year and the rest of the time you have to yourself. But what does Santa Claus do on the other 364 days of the year? The preparations for next Christmas, normally. I talk with people, I talk with the elves. The elves are making making the gifts, and we do a lot. We have the Christmas on every day in Rovaniemi, in Lapland, mm. at the Arctic Circle. There's Christmas every day, and the preparations are going on. That's what I do. I meet lovely people. I see you mm. there in, in Rovaniemi. <laughs> do you get a lot of visitors during the year? Yes, I do. Oh, quite a lot. of. At the moment, when it's near Christmas, it's quite a lot. Thousands of people per day. Does that not get in the way? I mean, you're quite busy, presumably. At the moment, the elves are doing the work. I'm just having fun and talking with people. 
And fair enough. There is also a question which I know does get put to parents usually quite early in the childhood of their earnest over curious children. The one about how is Santa in so many places at once? What's your view of the other Santas? And there are a great many. The other Santas, I would say, I'm not angry about that. I don't mind if somebody wants to look like me. The, the whole sincerest form of flattery thing. Yeah, it is. In, mm. in, a, in a way, it is. Yes. So if somebody wants to be like me, it's okay. It's okay. Just to be nice, it's very important. And sometimes those others are old elves who want to try the thing. <laughs> sometimes they, they have been asking me, can I do that this year? Can I do that? Yes, you can. You can try how it is. Santa, I'm sure that this is a question that you do get asked, possibly again by those earnest, annoyingly curious children when they get perched on your lap. It is the logistical one, the visiting literally every home on earth in a quite compressed period. Are you able to give us any idea as to how you manage that? That's a big Christmas secret, but mm. I can tell you, we have a machine, time machine, which helps us. Handy. Yeah, it's, it's very handy. Have you been thinking about when you were a kid, how long is the time when you wait for the gifts? <laughs> the world is going around slowly and we have the machine for that. That's one thing. And the other thing is the time differences between countries. In Finland, for example, we celebrate on 24th and quite many places are celebrating on 25th. It's not only one night actually and the most important one is the magic of christmas and you all can help me with the magic of christmas because when when people are having happy thoughts that gives us the magic of christmas while we have you here it would be remiss of us not to ask if you do have a particular christmas message for 2022 i know that there's a sort of i guess general message that santa claus likes to project of just sort of goodwill and good cheer and rewarding good behavior and so on but this year in particular is there anything special that santa would like to say sharing and caring that's my message, main message. Because when you think about the world at the moment, there are so many people who are alone, who are without a place to be, who don't have even enough clothes or food or anything like that. So take care of other people. That's my message this year. I really want that there could be peace over the whole world. And just a thought as well for the people listening to this making preparations of their own, because people do make preparations for your arrival in their homes. Do you have any particular requests for snack preference, things left by the fireside? Milk and cookies is my favourite, always. Milk and cookies. What kind of cookies? I don't mind. They're all. Presumably you'd like a little bit of variety at least where the cookies are concerned. Yeah, it's OK for me. I like the cookies in general. What kind of cookies? You can leave, leave me Tim Tams even. Well, that's a, a tip there for any of our Australian listeners. <laughs> and just a final thought, and this is a, a somewhat self-indulgent one on behalf of myself and the producers of this programme. Does Santa Claus have a view on whether Monocle 24's The Foreign Desk has made the naughty list or the nice list? These are normally confidential and, and uh, <laughs> secret information, but if you say yes for that, I, I can tell you. I think the definition... Quite good almost all the time. Santa Claus, thank you very much for joining us here on the Foreign Desk.
You're listening to The Foreign Desk on Monocle 24. It is our special Finland-themed Christmas episode, and it is now time for a musical interlude. And joining me here in the studio with a selection of Finland's, I'm going to say, distinctive lexicon of Christmas song is Monocle's own resident Finn, Markus Hippi. Hello, Welcome. Andrew. Thank Welcome you. to The Foreign Desk, and, and Merry Christmas. Likewise, Merry Christmas to you. Do you miss being in Finland at Christmas time? I do. I, I often try to go there for Christmas. For me, I think I always feel like I need the snow, I need the Finnish Christmas tree that's been taken from our own forest and kind of spending time with the family. But London is a nice alternative as well. It's cosy in a different way. Now, when you go to Finland, Marcus, do you sing songs? I rarely sing songs. I think nah. we had to do a fair bit of that back in the day when I was going to school when I was 11. Not anymore. I think that's good for everyone. Because what we did discover in our preparatory discussions for this segment is that... There's a certain character, I think it's fair to say, to Finland's Christmas music. They're not like everybody else's Christmas carols, which tend to be sort of celebratory and upbeat. Lots of decking the halls, fa-la-la-la-la, la-la-la-la. You people don't seem to go too much in for that. I know, it's true, and I wonder always what it tells about our culture, why we seem to be so unenthusiastic <laughs> or unhappy. We're happy in our own way in Finland when it's Christmas, <laughs> but as you will find out from this song soon, it's a bit of in a torturous way. Well, tee the first one up. So basically, what I'm doing now is almost like a global countdown. Fernando does sometimes in our competing mm-hmm. program. So I go through five Christmas songs that I think are great and reflect my country's culture okay. in a nice way. And and the first song is actually my personal favorite. This is Varpunen Jouluaamuna, or in English, Sparrow on a Christmas Morning. Let's have a listen. You have this little girl, little child who sees this bird outside and brings the bird a few seeds, a little food for it to eat on this cold Christmas morning. And when she's there, she realizes that actually that bird is her her younger brother who's passed away recently, comes to say hello to her from heaven. And when she gives those seeds to the bird, she hears the voice saying that her brother is going to get the seeds in heaven. That's jolly. And do you all gather round a fire after lunch and sing this with great gusto? No, for some reason, this is not one of those songs we sing out loud. As a matter of fact, the next song would be, I think we should have a listen to this. This is Hei Tontuuko Typpikä. Hei Tontuuko Typpikä, nyt on reu raikka in aiva. Hei Tontuuko Typpikä, nyt on reu raikka in aiva. Vain hetken kestä elämä. Ja sekin synkkä ja ikävä. Hei, You know, I've sung this song dozens or hundreds of times when I've been younger in Finland. The kids, they sound quite jolly, but they, they don't. Do. They may not understand what they're actually singing about. This is oh, something God. the lower male voice actually explains better in this track. What he sang was that life lasts for a short while only, and it's dark, and it's sad too. So therefore, now that it's Christmas, you should try to enjoy at least a little bit. This does seem quite a contrast, Marcus, not just with the general tone of the song, but its title, which translates, as I understand it, to Hey Gnome's Jump. <laughs> Don't ask. This is that... basically the Smurf song written by Sartre. But this is also Finland. 
amazing joy combined with this excruciating feeling of pain and sorrow in the background. I think it's, in a funny way, a great example of what Finland stands for. All right. What do we have coming up Well, next? another Christmas favourite I have. For some reason, this hasn't been translated into English anywhere yet, but it's got potential for a global hit. This okay. is Konstan Joululaulu, Konstas Christmas song. It's nice, but I am detecting a pattern emerging here. Would I be right in assuming that this is another Finnish Christmas song which is ultimately about how we're all going to die one day? Well, actually, in this song, someone's died already. So so what we have in this song is a little boy, Gornsta, who is going to a cemetery and, (laughs) and, and he finds the right grave and that grave belongs to his mother. And in the song, when you listen to it for a few minutes in, you you learn that when the kid is by that grave and lights a candle, he hears this voice from her mother who says that she will be always with him and he should continue his life. Marcus, at least once a year, you appear on one of our programmes when the UN releases its latest happiness index, once again gloating that for the umpteenth year in a row, the Finns are apparently the happiest people on earth. So why are all your Christmas songs like this, Marcus? I think in order to be happy, you have to also understand the other side. And I think in a weird way, Finland may also be a little bit bipolar as a culture (laughs) and as a society. So if you're happy all the time, you won't appreciate it that much. But when you spend your Christmas listening to these songs and when the summer finally arrives and and everyone is jolly, you kind of enjoy it more when you remember what the winter was like. Okay, well, coming up next, how many more bodies is this going to add to the count? Well, this one actually doesn't involve death on a human level. Well, that's something. It's a song about a pig that is about to be slaughtered. (laughs) Let's have a listen. This is Sika. Sika. Se kuulan kallonsa, sika, sen setä teurasta, sika, ja setä verta juo, sika, se joulumielen tuo. An actual big hit in Finland. At this point, Marcus, I'm barely surprised. I would like you to render some of those lyrics in English, if you would. So, sika is a Finnish word for pig, and if I go mm-hmm. through some of the lyrics, pig, it takes a bullet in its head, pig... Nice man will slaughter it, pig, and nice man will drink its blood, pig, and it brings the Christmas spirit. Just want to pick up on a couple of lines there, Marcus. The nice man will slaughter it and the nice man will drink its blood. Does nice mean something different in Finnish? No, I think it's irony. I think you have to understand something <laughs> about this artist behind this song, Yui Zaleskinen, one of our greatest talents. He, he had a very influential, slightly indie career for decades. And he had this slightly sarcastic, humorous way of seeing things, and that's why we loved him in Finland. OK, well, we have one more song in our Finnish Christmas countdown. Less death this time, just, just different in another way. So when I've been living abroad for almost 20 years, I've noticed that, as you know now as well, other countries do Christmas and Christmas music slightly differently. So I think this song explains a wider phenomenon of how Finland does things differently. This is a song you know as well. This is White Christmas. So let's have a listen to this version.
So no actual death, just death metal. Just just death heavy metal. So obviously that's one of the reasons why I had to leave my home country because the music scene was so bad over there. I don't like heavy metal. And phenomenally successful uh, Christmas concert tour takes place every December across the biggest cities of the country. Raskasta joulua. Heavy Christmas, and that's where you can go and see some of the front class great heavy metal names performing these Christmas songs we love so much. The long winter evenings must fly by. Marcus Hippie, thank you very much for joining us on the Foreign Desk. And playing us out, another musical treat, or perhaps given what we've just heard, a musical treat. This is Miyaskuro Hutiyat, Oulu's legendary men's shouting choir, with a special performance recorded for this Christmas episode of The Foreign Desk. Good King Wenceslas looked out on the feast of Stephen, when the snow lay round about deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the That's it for this episode of The Foreign Desk. We'll be back next week. The Foreign Desk was produced by, and yes, we are going to do the hilarious festive names thing, live with it, Emma Slaybells and Christimus O'Grady. To contact the Foreign Desk team, you can email emma at es at monocle.com and don't forget to subscribe to Monocle magazine and our free daily email bulletins by heading to our website at monocle.com. From me, Andrew Mistletoe... Nearly sort of works, just about, it'll do. Thanks for listening, and Merry Christmas. Christmas.